Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they're never just about the way you look. I'm your host, Jesse Nealon, and today I have with me a very special guest. This is Amy Sun, who, after several uh, mid-project handoffs, ended up being my editor at Penguin Life for my book, Body Neutral, which is officially released as of today. And I invited her on here to have a conversation with me about the whole project and publishing experience and everything. So welcome, Amy. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, so let me start by having you tell the story a little bit of how you got involved with my book, because I know it wasn't like a, a super um, linear <laughs> experience with that, because I started with a different editor and uh, and I ended up with you. So how did you get involved with the book? Yeah, so I I first heard of you through um, a colleague of mine named Gretchen, um, who she had been following you on Instagram for a long time and was a huge fan and just thought that what you had to say about body image and body neutrality was really different um, and unlike anything she was reading. And so she came to the team and was like, you know, I'm following this person, Jesse Nealon. They're amazing. Like, I think that they could write a really incredible book. And so I first heard about you through Gretchen. And, you know, I think then Gretchen approached you and yeah. uh, signed the book up and um, you guys had started working together. And then, um, then I think Gretchen ended up um, leaving for a different publishing company. And um, at the time the book, you know, when an editor leaves the book gets reassigned to various people on the team. And I think that when it was first reassigned, um, it happened very quickly. And so it got reassigned to another great editor named Margot. Um, and I remember at the time being super jealous because <laughs> I was so excited when Gretchen had first pitched you and talked about your book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Um, but Margot got the book before I sort of had a chance to be like, wait, like I want to work on this. Um, so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm very happy for Margot. Like, <laughs> um, but then, but then, you know, like the stars aligned and, um, you know, Margot ended up also leaving um, our imprint. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm not going to miss this chance again. <laughs> like, so like, as soon as I heard you leaving, I think I like went to my boss and was like, hey, if like Jesse's book is up for grabs, like I would love to be her, uh, their editor. And um, yeah. And then my boss was like, great, like, let me see what I can do. And I think then Margot made some introductions and, and then I think that's how, that's how it all started. Yes. So just the funny thing about this is sometimes when people are like, so how did you like get a, how did this come to be? How did you get a book? How did you get an, uh, an agent? All these things. Like my answer is basically Gretchen. Gretchen did <clears throat> all of the, I guess I just, I didn't know anything about the publishing industry. I would not have necessarily known how to even go about finding an agent. I was vaguely aware that like I needed an agent to get a book deal um, because Gretchen had asked me like years before, hey, do you have an agent? I was like, no. And she was like, okay, well, let me know if you do. <laughs> and then uh, and then it was later on when I was started putting the Avatar stuff out and she was like, okay, for real though, can I get you an agent? Like, can I make some introductions here? Like we would like to publish a book with you. And so it was so... 
you know, I mean, easy, like in, obviously I was putting out a ton of work into the world. It's not like I, it just landed on me, but it definitely was like the stars aligned for me when it came to that. And so I was like, okay, you know, like Gretchen had the vision, Gretchen like found me and then Gretchen was gone. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? What is happening? Like, I didn't have the, I mean, I had the like desire to write a book, but I didn't have like the vision she had, you know? So I felt so lost at sea during the handoff with Margot and everything. I was like, what is this going to turn into? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. We ended up working together for sure. Uh, it felt like a good, a good fit. And, uh, I mean, not that I can compare you really, cause you're my only editor, but I think you did a great job. <laughs> um, thank you. I mean, I think each, it, it was exciting though, because there was a period when, um, Margot and I overlapped, you know, when she yeah. knew that she was leaving, um, but she had given us you know, it was, it was a longer timeline. And so she and I were able to read, I think one of your um, earlier drafts together. And she and I talked about it before we had, we had a meeting with um, you and Margot and your agent. And um, it was really fun because Margot and I got to read the manuscript together and we met before the four of us talked. And um, it was really exciting because I remember the two of us were like, oh, like, you know, I really identified with this avatar and she was like, oh, me too. And it was like really fun to kind of like, <laughs> just like fangirl over the manuscript together yeah. and also see where I think sometimes, and and I want to ask you about this later, but like, I feel like editing is also kind of a very solitary um, mm -hmm. pursuit. You know, you're spending a lot of time on your own. And um, I think sometimes it is really nice to be able to read with someone else and when you notice you have the same edits or you're feeling the same way about something, it's really validating because otherwise you're sort of doing it in a vacuum. Um, oh yeah. So that I never that, thought about that. Yeah. I mean, writing is very solitary. It makes sense that editing is too, obviously, but I just never thought about, yeah, why that would be such a unique experience for you guys to get to like share with that little bit of crossover. So, okay. I'm going to have you start by, by explaining what an editor does, because I don't know if you remember me asking all of these questions in the beginning, but I had no clue. I even actually some, at some point along the way, I was like, can you just remind me what your job is? Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't know whose job is what here. Um, but yeah. So what does the editor of a book do? Yeah, it's um, I feel like it's, there are like a couple different sides to the job. Um, so I think the side that I enjoy the most, um, and I think what most people understand um, an editor's job is, is, you know, working with authors. Um, so um, we often uh, like, uh, I, I work mostly on nonfiction. And so for nonfiction, we often will get um, projects in, um, in proposal form. So like an agent will often submit a proposal to us. And that's usually like, um, an outline of what the book will be and maybe two sample chapters. Um, and then so based on that, you know, you sort of look at the potential and if it feels like something you see a lot of potential in, then you will um, try, you will either go to auction or you might try to preempt, which is when you try to buy a project before it goes to auction. Mm. Um, and so, so an editor, you know, part of our job is to have relationships with agents. So you get these great projects in for your imprint. And then um, once you are able to acquire the projects, then you work with the authors. So that can be, um, that's the part that I really enjoy the most because it's, you know, you get to know an author, you get to know their work, and then 
um, you know, you're sort of there to be like an advocate and a guide, sort of a sounding board. Um, and, you know, so I think uh, that process is really exciting. So it's just like, like you and I work together in terms of like, um, and you were really independent. And I feel like I want to ask you about this too, because I feel like okay. you were like, I feel like you, you didn't really send us like, like some authors will send like chapter, like one chapter at a time. Um, mm. But you, you would, you would written like, you would write like an entire manuscript and then sort of share it. Um, and I feel like that was, that's, that happens to be my favorite way to work too. Cause oh. I feel like then I can read it the way a reader does. Uh -huh. um, Cause I feel like sometimes if you're seeing it in pieces, you, you sort of begin to lose that like objectivity that you would get if you're reading it the way a reader would. Um, yeah. and, so, and that makes a lot of yeah. sense, but I think like more than anything, I just didn't know. I'm just so not used to having someone else edit and, or, or even be involved, you know, like I think my independence in that way was never like a choice I made. It's just like how I think and how I write it's like you write the whole thing like it's okay it's done here what do you think like you know give it back to me but the thought of writing in chapters and sharing them and getting individual feedback is a little bit like mind-blowing because I'm like well what would I do with that information at that moment do you rewrite the chapter and then I don't know like having that kind of feedback is just so foreign to me yeah, well, and, and I think your I think your reaction is actually why I often try to resist that way of working on a manuscript because yeah. I feel like, I, and I'm I'm curious what your process was too, but I but I often feel like um, when when a writer is working on a book, you sort of have to write the whole thing out before you really get a sense of what it is. Sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like in the process of writing it, you're also discovering what it is, yeah. and so if you get feedback too early, I think it can really, um, I, I think it can really affect the creative process. Like it's like, it's like having a critical voice too yeah. early on, I think can like make you feel too self-aware as you're in the process of creation. Um, it's probably yeah. really true. Yeah. Like I can't imagine, I don't know. Yeah. It's really hard to think if I'd had a lot of feedback early, what that would have done. I mean, some part of me thinks, oh, maybe it would have just gone faster. And the other part of me is like, it might've shut me down and made it like so much more mechanical. Like you're saying more self-conscious as I wrote. Yeah. I mean, everyone is different. I think some people really do. I think some people that is the best way that that is the best way of working for them. But um, in general, I tend to sort of like, I, I like to give people sort of a little bit of freedom to figure out what, what it is that they're creating and not sort yeah. of chime in with my thoughts because I don't see it the way an author does. Um, and which brings me to a question that I've yeah, been meaning okay. to ask you, which is, you know, what was the process of writing like for you? Did you sort of have a clear vision of what the book was going to be sort of right off the bat? Um, or did it change as you were writing? Oh God, it changed so much as I was writing. I, I would say that I had, I had a vague vision, like enough to make an outline with Laura, my agent, in the beginning just to get the project in the first place. I had an idea that made sense to me, but as I was writing it, yeah, I definitely would rediscover, like, not even rediscover, I would just discover like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. That structure doesn't work here. Uh, there were times even pretty late in the process, I think, where I would I would be like, something in here isn't quite clicking. And I think it's because I need to like overhaul the structure of the entire section. Mm -hmm. And those would be moments that really kind of sucked 
because you really want <laughs> to be done at a certain point. But also just that kind of feeling of like, nope, this isn't this isn't making sense. This isn't like how it needs to be. Um, and I think that's that's a skill that I've like honed quite a bit writing so much over the years just for my, you know, business and uh, articles and emails and social media and everything else that I do. I feel like I've gotten um, very good at letting ideas be told the way they want to, mm -hmm. you know, like. I can kind of just feel when they don't like it. <laughs> like I'll try something in my first draft or whatever and be like, oh, that's no, that's not it at all. Um, and so I can usually kind of trust that sense, but it was much harder on this project because it wasn't like the rewriting of an email, right? It was the mm -hmm. rewriting of like weeks of work when I decided to change structures and everything. So it was a lot more um, stressful, but mm -hmm. I think the ultimately the process was the same. I just trusted where the ideas wanted to be and kind of let them reveal themselves to me, which is how I always feel like I, I write and work. Um, yeah, God, I learned so much about the book by writing the book. In fact, it's crazy to think I just learned kind of recently that um, fiction authors just write the damn book and then hand it over or like get it bought. And nonfiction mm -hmm. authors, like what, what we did is you make a proposal and you give them like samples and ideas and structure. But why is that? Why are yeah. we trusted to like develop it together and fiction authors just write the book? Yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting. I think this is something many people don't know until they yeah. sort of come into the world of publishing, but, but yeah, it's the process of, um, acquiring fiction and nonfiction is super different. So like fiction editors, normally they will only, this is not always the case, but I would say like 99% of the time, they will only consider a manuscript if it's like fully written for fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and for nonfiction, it's always, it's almost always a proposal. It's almost always just an outline and a sample chapter or two. Um, and my understanding is that that is because there's this um, idea that fiction is something you can sort of write in your free time. So like, even if you have a day job, you can sort of carve out time to write fiction, um, you know, at night, on weekends. Whereas for nonfiction, I think the idea is that um, a lot of nonfiction requires, um, it requires research, it requires reporting, it requires going out in the world. It sort of requires uh. like taking time away. Like it requires time and yeah. um, it requires you to sort of like take, maybe take a break from whatever your day job is in order to finish the project. And so um, the idea is that like, you know, and I, I, the idea is basically that like nonfiction sort of requires a bit more, um, not that it requires more work, but it requires maybe more time spent that you sort of can't do if you are, if you have a day job. So it's this idea that yeah, um, it's compensating you, sort of, you up yeah, front. Yeah, you have an advance that sort of gives you the freedom to write the book. Um, oh, that's really interesting. Kind of a kind of a rough deal for fiction writers. <laughs> like, <laughs> good luck writing at nights and on weekends. <laughs> yeah, it it does. It, yeah, it's 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 not the most fair. Um, but at the same time, I do sort of like. I mean, I think nonfiction, you know, people do, people are surprised sometimes in the process of writing. Um, but I do think with fiction, it's like, um, there is also a sense of like, you want to, you want to know what you're getting before you 
by this project. Whereas I feel like with fiction, it can kind of go anywhere. Whereas with nonfiction, if you have a general idea of what you're exploring, um, sometimes the project might surprise you, which happens, but I think it doesn't really veer like wildly off of Mm -hmm. what you're planning to do. Yeah, that's fair. I I definitely remember at some point in the process um, reaching out. I'm not sure to who first uh, or if it was everyone just being like, how much am I allowed to go off the outline? Because I had no idea if it was like a contractual obligation to follow the original outline or not. And uh, I just remember Laura at least being like, oh, you don't even ever have to look at that outline again if you don't want to. Like, you just write your book and we'll take it from there. I was like, oh, that's cool. What was the point of the outline then? Yeah, it's it's funny. I, well, I think it's always like, it's kind of like, I think as long as the direction you're exploring is sort of, is better, right? As long as like yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the end project is like, the end product is something that's like, I think there's, yeah, I, I feel like the outline is more of like a, it's kind of like a, a a general guideline for like where where's a good direction to go. But, you know, as you're writing, I think, yeah, I think you learn so much as you're writing and you discover and you're like, oh, actually, this is a more interesting direction. Yeah, definitely. And I also felt like I had been putting content out about the avatars, but I hadn't mm-hmm. yet come up with like a lot of the ideas in the book it felt like doing, um, I don't know, like doing Sudoku puzzles all day or something. It was so mentally taxing for me to, to translate the work I was doing with my clients into a, a writable, repeatable formula filled with tools and steps and everything. It was so difficult that like during the process, I would be, I was still working. I had less clients than normal, but I would like get off a client call and be like, how do I explain what just happened? Because it's so intuitive for me and it had been intuitive for me for a long time at that point, but I was just starting to try to put it all into place with the avatars and everything um, in, in writing in a way that like applied to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so during the process of writing the book, I, I was inventing, you know, like steps out of what felt like thin air, but obviously wasn't, it was out of years of doing this intuitive process with clients. Um, but trying to put it down into writing and come up with like terminology that made it clear and concepts that made it clear. It was really mentally taxing. It was very difficult. I learned so much. It was awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I really like, I remember just being really blown away by how um, I feel like what a like comprehensive system you mm. outlined in the book. Like, I feel like you just, um, I think one of the hardest things about someone um, who works with individual clients is like, how do you replicate, you know, yeah, the work that you do one-on-one exactly. with someone and turn it into a program that applies to um, everybody. And I kind of, I think you did an amazing job in the book. And I was curious, like, I feel like you in the book, you know, you identify, um, you know, there are four sort of general avatars that people generally fall into. Sometimes people can identify with more than one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like you pick up on these incredible patterns that sort of each type of avatar has. And I was curious, like how, when you started noticing these patterns, like how far into your work with clients, did you begin to sort of notice like, oh, like there are certain types and like people tend to fall into these categories. So 
that's tricky to answer because <clears throat> I mean, my work had evolved a lot over the years. Like it, I wasn't doing the same exact work in the beginning as I, as I do now. So I had a lot of insight, but I had not even thought to try to find patterns. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely still was approaching it as like the individual in front of me, the end for a really long time. Um, and actually the only reason that I bothered try to put stuff I was noticing into words in this way was because I hired a business coach because I didn't know what the next like move in my career was going to be. And so I hired Rachel Turner, who is uh, now a dear friend and awesome coach. And she was like working with me to kind of discover what was next and like what was fun for me, what was exciting, what did I love, you know, like just playing with all the different directions because basically basically all my life goals had been met and I was like well shit now what like what do I do I don't like do I just keep doing this forever like I had been scrambling my way to the top of this this goal of like I'm gonna run my own business and be financially independent and like you know just live my life doing what I'm passionate about and it was like I had gotten there and I had never bothered dream any bigger so I was mm -hmm. feeling totally lost <laughs> And this was like in the pandemic. And so I hired Rachel and she was the one who started asking for the sake of marketing, literally just like, who do you work with? What are their problems? Mm -hmm. Like, could you put them into containers? Like all these questions came purely from, from a desire to be able to connect with my, um, my audience in terms of marketing. And as I started putting that together, it emerged so fast, like the kind of thing I can't even tell you, like I wrote the avatar guide that the, um, this was like my first attempt to like put any of these concepts out into the world, this little ebook that I wrote, I wrote, it was like 30 pages or something. I wrote it in like two days nonstop, like just wow. could not, it like just needed to be written immediately. And it came out so fast. And I was like, I didn't even know I knew any of this stuff. Like, how is this happening? It felt very, uh, it was so locked and loaded, you know, it just was ready to come out. And ultimately what it turned into had nothing to do with marketing at all, because what I, what I had realized upon trying to gather language for the patterns I saw was, mm -hmm oh my God, this is really important. Like I, I want this to be a way that I help normalize and validate and help people place themselves um, because body image issues are so isolating and everybody thinks they're the only one. The thought of having like a resource where I'm talking about types and people are recognizing themselves. I just immediately felt how valuable that would be to people who come to me and say like, I don't know why I'm like this. I'm so crazy and weird and broken, you know, just to have that kind of idea out in the world I knew would be so healing. And so that's why I like started doing it in the first place was marketing. And then it immediately turned into like, oh my God, this could really help people. And this is after that, as I like started getting into the book version of all of these concepts, it turned into, let me turn this into a system. But like, it's so funny to me because I'm always like, Rachel, is like a little witch who just like drew it out of me in like three months of working together or something. She was like, well, I don't know, like, you know, what would you say if there was like an astrology version of this or something? And it's like, I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but it just poured out after. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, yeah. and I, I remember the first time, yeah, I read your manuscript and I was 
you know, reading the different avatars and it was like, it did feel like a light bulb moment because I feel like, yeah. you know, so many of us struggle with body image issues, but like the, what the reasons that we have these issues are not all the same. And so it's been it, like, I, I do feel like before I, you know, got to know you and your work, I sort of was like, there would be times when I might read an article about that had to do with body image. And I'd be like, I don't relate to this at mm -hmm. all. Like, um, yeah. and so and it was so fascinating to see the way that you explained sort of digging into the root cause of why each person feels this way. And I was like, oh my God, this is so, I don't know. It was just really illuminating. You know, I had, a so in talking about this book to my therapist recently, I was like having this whole like meltdown about something just stress and unrelated, but I ended up saying like, you know, there's a part of me that thinks this book is going to come out and nothing's going to happen. It'll just be like a blip on the radar and like whatever. And there's this whole other part of me who thinks it's going to like change everything because it feels so radical. And and the feedback I get from like media interviews and everything is like, this is so radical. And then I'm like crying to my therapist and I was like, and it's not even that radical. It's just basic and no one thought of it before. And she was like cracking up being like, I love that your message to the world is like, it's not that complicated. Honestly, let me write you a whole book about it. Because in some ways, the fact that it's radical is just mind blowing. Like I'm, I'm honestly just pulling together really basic concepts of like being a person, but because it's so, so far away from where the conversation has been around body image, it is pretty mind blowing. The first time you read it, you know, you read the avatars, you read any of these things and you're like, whoa, this makes sense. And I mean, the fact that that's radical is like. I guess lucky for me, I get to write, be the person to write a book about it. But there's also a part of me that's like, that's so stupid. Why, why has it gotten so far? Why has it taken this long? You know? Yeah. Although I think you're underselling yourself a lot. I mean, I, I just, I feel like there were, there were so many moments in the book where I was like, yeah, that, I, I mean, my favorite, mo the fa my favorite feeling I have when I read a book is when I'm like, this person has articulated something that I've always felt, but I've never had the words for. Um, and I feel like I had so many of those moments when I was reading yeah. this. And I think one of the things that I also really love about this book is like the way that you acknowledge how um, I think in a lot of our conversations about like body image, I think, you know, especially with body positivity, it's like, you just have to love your body, like just love yourself. And it's like, but it doesn't acknowledge that like we live in a world that constantly tells us yeah. um you know, that we are not worthy of love. And so I think acknowledging that um, and also acknowledging that like, you know, you can try to make peace with your body, but also be aware that like we live in a world that is um, really biased and like, and I think just, um, I think it's, I don't know, the message of like both and like, yeah. you're, it's, you know, I think you're articulating this, this vision of how we can be more at peace with our bodies while also acknowledging that like we live in a world that really makes your life a lot easier if you have a certain kind of body, if you look a certain way. And like, of course, you know, that's, I don't know. I just love, I, I think sometimes the messaging around body image seems to sort of ignore the practical reality of the world that we're in. Yeah, I agree. And that was something that I think like, as I was doing my work for a long time and drawing inspiration and like, 
learning from um, people who were already in the industry. Like I just constantly had that friction feeling inside me around those kinds of messages. Like it just didn't feel right, but I couldn't figure out why. And I think anything that requires we kind of ignore some aspect of reality in order for something to be inspiring or healing, like Mm -hmm. just strikes me as wrong. And it, it always did. And I felt like a lot of body positivity did that. And I can now call that like bypassing and I can, you know, use a lot more clear language to understand why that bothered me. But at the time it was just like, kind of the feeling of what's wrong with me that this doesn't land. Cause it was really the only message out there. Yeah. It's like you should just be able to set that aside. Yeah. Like, yeah, life would be easier, but you do you, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. I was like, I mean, yeah, but oh, no, it doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a, on a different tangent, but okay. something that, you know, I've been, that I was curious because I feel like, um, you know, every author, when they finish their book, um, you know, I think everybody feels a different way. You know, I've worked with authors who finish a book and they're like, <laughs> I don't want to look at it for like a year. Um, and I have authors who are like, wait, like I want to keep revising. Like there's more, yeah. I've like, discovered more I want to add. Um, and I was sort of curious where you fall on that spectrum. Like, how did you feel, you know, once, once you submitted it, cause you know, then it goes into copy editing and first pass, yeah, but yeah. like, you know, at a certain point, sort of, we have to stop revising. And I was curious what, where you fell on that. I think I honestly felt both, both ways applied at different moments because I was so burnt out here. I, I will say this. I work for myself. I've worked for myself for a very long time. And in that way, I'm very spoiled because I never have to do anything I don't feel like doing. I have entirely canceled launches of products because I didn't feel like doing the work to do it. Or it was like, you know, something would kind of happen energetically and I'd be like, oh, this isn't where I want my head to be at for the next couple of weeks. And I would just not do it. Like I am my own boss and I am in charge of everything and I can be very lenient if I feel like it. I, I think I work hard, but I'm not like a, I'm not like I don't work myself hard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I have a very rest-based life. And this book was the opposite of a rest-based life. I was so burnt out by the time I was like handing off the manuscript and being done revising and everything. I wanted to crawl into a hole and never come out as long as I live. I was just toasted. So the idea of like, could I keep revising to make it better was very much there. You know, there was definitely the feeling of if if only I had a couple more months, I could make this so, so good. And then there's this other piece of like, honestly, take it or I'm burning it to the ground and I'm never gonna Like I was on both sides of the spectrum for sure. Um, And I think that, you know, I'm like, I'm a very type B person. I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not, um, I don't, I don't like get down on myself about stuff. There were times during the book that I would get down about just feeling so overwhelmed. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can keep going. I don't feel like I can do this, but I was never down on myself. Like I'm a bad writer. This draft is terrible. It was like, I always knew I'm in the middle of a process and it'll be what it needs to be. But there were some times where the overwhelm drove me to such a place of like, it basically just felt like claustrophobia almost like I can't Mm -hmm. quit. 
Like I'm, I'm yeah. literally not allowed to get up tomorrow and not work on this. Like I'm out of time. I've just got to do it. Um, and yeah, that part was so hard. I think for me mentally that the part of my normal life where I would just like phone it in for a while, I was like, but this is my book and I can't do that. And it was really, really challenging. I think to feel so much pressure, like, like I just wanted it to be as good as it could be. Um, and I couldn't do the thing I like to do, which is like, yeah, good enough's good enough. Like put it out there, see how it goes, you know? Um, so, oh man, I, I was both it, I think it took me like, uh, luckily the copywriting process. Well, I guess throughout a variety of editing pro steps and processes, I would say, um, some of it was harder than I imagined it would be like some of it was more time consuming. I mean, but by the time we got to like copy editing, I was like, honestly, I don't care. Change what you want. I'm never going to look at this again. Like do whatever you want. I trust you. Goodbye. Yeah. It's well, I mean, I think <laughs> many, I've many things that I want to sort of follow up on. Please do. Um, I mean, I, I think first of all, that I, I didn't realize at all that that's sort of like, I mean, I, I think writing a book um, is just, I think one of the hardest things that like anyone can do. And I think until, um, I I've never written a book, but I've been around enough authors to know that yeah. like it is very, very difficult. And I feel like until you write a book, like you don't really know how difficult it is. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, people all the time are like, oh, I could write a book and it's like, yeah. it is very hard work, um, yeah. <laughs> especially within a deadline. Like it is, yeah. um, yeah. And so, but, you know, I think I, I didn't realize at all because on my side, I was just like, wow, like Jesse is so on top of it and like, you know, like delivering everything on time and like everything is also, I mean, um, the drafts were all incredible. Like every draft you delivered was amazing. And I, I remember, I think you had delivered a first draft and we had had a call to sort of talk about general edits. And I remember, you know, you were like, you had taken notes and, um, you know, you came back to us with a second draft and you had just woven in all of the notes in such a smart way. Like, I, I feel like um, it's, I, I, I don't know, it's, uh, it was just really, that's like the best feeling as an editor. It's like the best yeah, feeling yeah. when you're like, oh my gosh, like they did everything that I like <laughs> mentioned and like did it in a way that's like better than what I could have imagined. Oh. Um, so I think on my side, yeah, it's sort of, um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's always fascinating to hear the other side because, you know, on my side, I'm just like, you know, we mostly communicate through email, sometimes yeah, video yeah. meetings, but I was like, oh, like Jesse's just like on top of everything. Like, um, so, but yeah. And, and like I said, I, I do feel like, I think as a professional, having done this for a long time, writing, I mean, and just like conceptualizing, like there was a part of that, that was true. But there was also the part of that that was like coming out of the pandemic, dealing with mm -hmm. depression, like running a business on top of writing it. And just like there was it was just a lot on my plate. And so when in the moments that were dark and like heavy, they were dark and heavy. But I would say that, you know, it wasn't like a I wasn't putting up a front or anything like I also loved the book. I loved the content. I thought it was really good. Um, I loved all of the feedback. It's great for me to get feedback, like from editors being like, well, what if you like considered this? And I was like, that's a great idea. Um, I also think at a certain point, it was really, really fun and validating to have you. 
what it almost felt like is I would hand you something and you would give me back what my intuition already knew. And that felt awesome. I was like, damn, like I have a good intuition because that's exactly what I would have said if you had like said, what does your heart tell you or about this draft or something? You know, I'd be like, well, and it would be almost exactly what you said. And that felt really, really cool because I was like, I can really trust that, you know. Um, and if you had been saying stuff that just felt wrong or off the walls or whatever, I, I have no idea how that would have felt. That would have been totally different. If I had to like advocate for my my beliefs in a, in a space where you were kind of fighting against them. I mean, I'm sure authors have to do that, but yeah. it felt really seamless for me. Um, it was just about getting it done. <laughs> well, that makes me so happy. That's and I, and I think um, like I, I think on on the editorial side, like I felt that, too. Like it just like it's really nice when you feel that alignment when, you know, it's like that thing yeah. where you're like, oh, you know, this paragraph and the other person's like, oh, my gosh, yes. This like, you know, it's like I feel like when you don't have to even go too in depth explaining, like when you can. Just yeah. Kind of like, when you sort of there's just an understanding. Um, I think that's that's always the best when, when an author and an editor have that kind of alignment. Um, and yeah, when it, when that alignment doesn't happen, um, I think, I mean, luckily I've never really had to deal with that, but I think I'm sure it does happen. And I think it's probably very tough. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you, because you were, you and Margo were the first people I think to get so excited about the avatars, like the, the self-assessment, taking the quiz and going through the answers and everything. But since then, every single person I've talked to who has read the book has done the same thing. So I <laughs> am like a little baffled by this. Like I get it, obviously, because like I said, there's something so satisfying about seeing yourself in a system uh, being represented and realizing, oh my God, I'm not alone, right? Of course, mm -hmm. everybody likes that. But every media interview I do and everything since, all they have wanted to talk about is the assessment. <laughs> Everybody's like, okay, so I'm a this, but, you know, and I just, I wanted to hear your thoughts because I think you knew this up front. You said this up front, like pretty strongly that everybody loves these. It's going to be a major selling point of the book. Um, and I was just curious to hear your thoughts on like, why does it hold such an appeal? Do you think? I mean, I feel like we all... I don't know. We, everyone loves a quiz. Like, I, I feel like this is just like growing up in like the BuzzFeed era where like, I feel right. like we sort of grew up like taking those quizzes, yeah. like, you know, what, um, I don't know, like what, like what type of burger are you? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like there are just so many, like, and so I feel like there's like probably like a, a deep part of our brain that just finds a lot of comfort <laughs> in like taking quizzes. But I think it's, there's, there's also this, I remember the New Yorker had published this essay a few years back about astrology and like why so many people are drawn to um, horoscopes. And they were saying like, you know, part of it is that like, if you tell some, it, it, it gives you a language to talk about differences in personality in a way that doesn't feel like a personal attack. So like, for example, like if you say to someone like, oh, you're so self-involved, that feels like an attack, right? But if you say yeah. like, oh, you're such a Leo, like that feels <laughs> like, you know, it, it feels like much more gentle and kind of playful, um, even right. though, it, yeah, and so I feel like, um, I think similarly, the avatars kind of function in that way where it's like, I don't know, I think it gives people a language and a vocabulary to understand themselves and see that like what they're struggling with is not a personal failing. It's like yeah. they are- that it's that we are just all different and the things that we struggle with are different. Um, but 
like no one's struggle is better or worse than another's. We're just different. Um, and like understanding where, where we are different, um, can be really helpful. Yeah, that's so true. And actually, like, I never would have necessarily thought about how appropriate it was to do uh, this kind of representation. But given how important it is to me that we not talk about body image issues as personal failings or character flaws, but rather like Mm -hmm. zoom out and take in the whole systemic, you know, everything, uh, it does make a lot of sense that this feels so like it accomplishes that. It mm-hmm. makes it systemic by making it like one of four instead of, you know, like each individual for themselves. Yeah. I like that. I And, you know, one thought I had about it after getting off some interview or other and being like, that was the most like giggly conversation I've ever had about body image issues. It was just like the journalist was so excited. And I realized, I think somewhat by accident, I've made body talking about body image issues fun because it's not, it's so dark. Like the real conversations with clients, my work is very dark and heavy, but I do feel like I bring a particular levity to it because I'm, I'm like so genuinely curious. I'm like, you know, somebody comes to me with something like dark and heavy and I'm like, Ooh, let's dive into that. You know, like I feel so um, like just genuinely intrigued by the whole thing. And I find that that attitude um, shows up with my clients and they really appreciate it as well. Cause it's like, they, they can come in with the darkest thing and just know it's going to be met with like a, Ooh, what an interesting piece of the puzzle. You know, it's like, we, we make it fun is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying? And I feel yeah. like the, the avatars self-assessment and categories does a very similar thing. It makes it so that it's like, okay to be, to bring levity to it or to bring like lightness somehow into a really dark space. And I, I certainly didn't set out intending to make it fun, but uh, but I'm glad because like this topic is otherwise not something people want to talk to their friends about, you know? So anything that makes it something you want to talk to your friends about is a good thing. Yeah, it's, and I, and I will say like, I, I think before I got to know you and your work, I would have said that I am somewhat like, I, I, I wouldn't have said that I had any body image issues. Like mm. I, for me, I was like, oh, you know, that's like, like, I would be like, oh, I don't really think I have any like major body yeah. image issues. I think before I had gotten to know your work. And then once I started, you know, once I started following you on Instagram first and then reading your manuscript, I was like, oh, like I actually do. And it's like, <laughs> and I, I think I, and I would say probably most people do. I think it's impossible yeah, yeah, to yeah. live in the world that we live in and not yeah. come away with some like really deep rooted ideas about how you look and what your value is and like what kind of yeah. treatment you deserve. Um, and it, but that was something that I, I think was really eye opening. was like, I think before I started to get to know your work and reading the book, like I, I just would have said like, oh, like, I don't think, like, I wouldn't have said that it's something that I, yeah. that has really affected me, but, um, and I, I would hope that this is a book that would reach people. I hope like in, in that space too, people who like, don't necessarily think that it affects them or think that yep. they are untouched by it. When in fact, like, I feel like it really does. Yeah. I don't know. It runs really deep. It's yeah. And I talk about that too, in my own story that I didn't identify as having body image issues, but looking back, I'm like, what did I think all that was? I, it just, it felt so normal and it wasn't bad. You know, it was like 
body images are like this bad thing other people have. Mm -hmm. I just based my entire <laughs> worth on how I look to people. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely resonate with that. And I think that my hope for the book would definitely be to reach people it, almost like body neutrality for everyone. Like that's, mm -hmm. that would be the goal. And so whatever stands in your way, whether it's, you know, you like tear yourself apart in front of a mirror or you take your confidence and worth from, you know, uh, external validation in any way, like it's all of it. It's everyone. And I have this conversation every single time I go out and someone like random, you know, we're like doing introductions. Oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a body image coach. And I just like, my book is coming out and they go, oh my God, I need your book. And I'm like, mm -hmm. everyone needs your book. <laughs> like, I, I know that's why I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so true that it's not just the people who would think to go seek out a body image book. It's like, it's all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I, when I describe your book, sometimes I like actually say that I feel like it, it feels almost like a psychology book because it, it really is about like, yeah, like where are our ideas of like, um, like, because what, what you're really asking readers to do in the book is like dig really deep and figure out like what it is that, that you really desire, like what it is that's like, you know, what do you really want most deeply? And like, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I don't know. It's just an approach that I never would have thought of, but it's so brilliant. Absolutely. What do you most desire, but also like, where does your sense of worthiness come from? And I, I almost, when I was like putting together the ideas in the very, very beginning, I almost went with a system based on like how you define your worth. And it would have been like the self-objectifier would have been attractiveness. The high achiever would have been uh, like superiority or specialness or something, you know? So it's like, I, I had intended at first, or at least played with the idea of it being like the different ways that people define their, their worth, their worthiness for good things in life and how that harms them. And I think the avatars ended up being just a way cleaner way of talking about it, but it's, it, it's baked in like, mm -hmm. The issue is that our bodies impact our feelings of worthiness because society teaches us that it should. And then we define and internalize all of these various experiences and uh, intersections of identity and any number of things. But like, that's all anybody really wants, I think, is to feel worthy of good things in life, like to feel mm -hmm. good enough. And it's like such a simple concept, but such a complicated execution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, everything works because we're constantly being marketed to. So the yeah. message we constantly absorb is like, you won't be good enough until right, yeah. you have like X, Y, Z. I mean, we like our, our dominant religion in the U S is literally like you were born sinful. Good luck. <laughs> like the idea that anybody feels worthy ever is a miracle, but it is absolutely like the, the point of body neutrality is not just to feel like disconnected from your body. It's about feeling connected to yourself as a human who is worthy of good things. And then your body can be neutral because it just isn't the, it isn't the key holder you know, for, mm -hmm. for worthiness. Um, okay. So I did want to get to this question because um, this just fascinated me. I learned so much about the publishing industry throughout this process. I don't remember the number now, but I remember learning that something like 85% of books lose money. Is that true? Am I close? It's um, I, I can't remember the number exactly, but it is like, I think many, the majority of the, so I, I think 
and I think most people know this, but um, most authors will get paid in advance and that's an advance on yeah. royalties. So like when, um, and so that is basically like, you know, publishers are like, we think this book will sell this many copies. And so we will like pay the author based on this amount that we think the book will sell. Yeah. Um, and no matter what happens, the, the author keeps that advance, but like the books don't, it, it's always like a sort of a guess on our part. Um, and so, we, yeah, so, and so, so yeah, I think it, there's like, a, I think the majority of books do not earn out their advance. So, mm. um, but. So it's like know, a gamble yeah. for the publishing house every time. And this is what I did not realize and just blew my mind. In my head, it was always very simple. It was like, you just get the best writers to write the best books. Like it never even crossed my mind to think of this. I mean, obviously it feels very clear now, but the idea that it's just a gamble every time you pay an author in advance, you're saying, here's what we're guessing you'll make us. And then something like 85% of books don't make it, which is just bonkers to me. Like what a terrible, but then I'm also like, okay, but they stay in business, which means they're making enough profit from something like, you know, 10 to 20% of books that succeed do that well, that it offsets it. Like that, that is wild to me that that's how it works. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a fascinating industry. <laughs> I feel like a lot of it is rooted in, um, it, in some ways it's a very, very like old fashioned industry, um, which yeah. is I think part of its charm. Like a lot of the way that it functions sort of defies logic, but that is like, <laughs> I think partly also the draw, like it feels like a, right. I don't know. There's something about it that feels like, um, of another time, um, yeah. which, you know, I think it's not always maybe great from like a profit standpoint, but, um, mm. but, you know, I do also think like, but yeah. And at the end of the day, like publishers are still making money, right? Like there are, um, even if the majority of advances don't earn out, like the ones that do sometimes like, you know, sometimes it's like, you might, right. um, you know, publishers might come across a book that you think will maybe sell like 10,000 copies and the book ends up selling a hundred thousand copies. Right. And so, um, and that kind of helps like keep things balanced. How many copies should I be thinking? <laughs> like what's like a normal amount of copies to sell? I don't know if it, normal isn't the right word, but you know what I'm asking? Yeah. So it's actually, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because I feel like there's actually not like one answer. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say for a publisher, um, a book is considered successful if it earns out its advance. So okay. like, um, a, a lot of it is relative, right? So like mm -hmm. if you, you know, if a publisher pays like a million dollars for a book and it goes on to sell like, um, 20,000 copies, I don't know that that's considered a success, but if they had only paid like $50,000 for the book and it then sells 20,000 yeah. copies, then it is a success. And so it's kind of relative. Got um, it. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a weird, it's sort oh, of a strange so answer, but it's, it's really relative. Yeah. Um, okay. That brings up the topic I wanted to mention, which is the decision to go from hardcover to soft cover. It's not called soft cover. Oh, we call paper it paperback. Bag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we originally had a contract for hardcover and it was, um, whatever standard, right. It was like the normal way that things go about mm -hmm. being published, which is like hardcover until a certain number of copies. And then they start publishing it in paperback. And then that got shifted 
at a certain point, it was like a big, um, stressful decision by the whole team being like, what should we do? Yeah. Uh, so I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, the, the industry has really been changing. Like, I feel like when I started, so I, I, I started in publishing about eight years ago. Um, it was pretty much the standard for most books to come out in hardcover initially. And then after a year, you would put it out in paperback. And it sort of was like clockwork. Like you didn't yeah. even really think about it. It was just like, and it didn't really matter if the hardcover, you know, sold well or didn't sell well. It was just like, hmm. you know, we would always then put it out in paperback. Um, but basically in the last couple of years, um, the retail landscape has been changing. So like bookstores, like it used to be that like certain bookstores would always take, they would always take the hardcover and then they would always take the paperback. And um, that has kind of shifted where now like bookstores might be like, oh, if the hardcover didn't, let's say the hardcover of a book didn't sell that well, they might not even take the paperback. And so that has sort of shifted our mm -hmm. thinking in terms of hardcovers and paperbacks in that now we sort of are much more intentional. Like we, we think a lot about timing. Um, so we want to make sure like, oh, like, you know, we don't want to put a paperback out too early. Like if the hardcover is still selling really well, even like a year after publication, then it's like, maybe we like keep it going for longer. Um, cause hardcovers also, uh, they are, they generate a little bit more profit for the publisher. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, but then if it's, um, you know, and then, so, so now we look a lot more at timing, um, but also just like, I feel like with this particular, and also now we've been thinking a lot about like initial format. So it used to be like very automatic, like you would be like, okay, hardcover, then paperback. And now we've been having a lot more conversations about like each book and thinking about like what makes the most sense for this book. And so like for, for this book, one thing that we talked a lot about with our sales team was like accessibility. Like, you know, we want this book to be as accessible to as many people as possible. And, um, you know, a hardcover price point is a lot less accessible than a paperback yeah. price point. Um, and so, so that was something we had a lot of conversations about. We thought that it would be, it would sort of set the book up a lot better in the long run to have it out initially as a trade paperback so that it's sort of like immediately accessible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's something too, that I, I do feel like, <laughs> so I, w I had to learn about literally everything you were talking about in the same week that I had to make a decision about this because people were asking me like, what do you want to do? Here's all the things to consider. We're, we're thinking about changing direction. And I was like, I don't know what anything means. Like, let me learn. Hold on. And then I was talking to my partner about it and he was like, so what it sounds like to me is that everything that you value, like that, that feeling like neutrality itself and accessibility and all of these things that are like so deeply valued by you would skew you to say, yes, trade paperback right now makes the most sense. And he was like, what's the, like, what, what's the thing arguing against it? Um, and I was just basically like, I don't know, a hardcover book just feels cool. Like I couldn't come up with anything particular. I was just like, just feels like fancier or something. And he was like, uh-huh. And is your book about being fanciest? No. <laughs> But like, there was something about it that I think kind of like you said, the old fashioned thing, it's like, it doesn't mean anything. It, it's, it's completely just an old idea and attachment to an old idea that like hardcover books were more expensive and therefore somehow more, you know, valuable or whatever. 
Um, but yeah, I am, I am ultimately really glad we went this direction because it's like yeah. $12 cheaper than it would have been. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, cause I think now for most hardcovers, if you, if you factor in like tax and everything, um, it, it can be like, I feel like it can be like over $30 to buy a yeah. hardcover. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's not insignificant. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't even matter to me anyway, because I buy all my books on Audible now, pretty much. <laughs> but, but the old attachment was still there. Um, okay. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Mm, um, oh, okay. This, this is one that I wanted to ask you, okay. um, which is, did you discover anything new about yourself sort of in the process of writing or even just in the process of publishing? Like, do you feel like you uncovered something uh, that you had discovered before so much so epically much I don't even know how to answer that question of course I did like it it the, the entire thing was so illuminating like every step of the way I learned things about myself I learned things about my work I learned things about myself um I think that you know because this all started with me hiring a business coach to figure out what I wanted to do next there was something very like sort of calming or soothing about being so overwhelmed with it for a while because I was like, oh, I asked the universe what was next. This was next. <laughs> like that just felt so cut and dry for a while. And I was just like, you know, all in. And now I think I'm, I'm sort of doing like, I didn't have any time to process what I was learning during that process. You know, I was just like mm -hmm. one foot in front of the other. Now that it's been a while, I feel like I'm I'm processing and integrating what I learned and really considering like the book wasn't that I mean, it was the next thing like, but it wasn't like the answer to my question, where's my life going? Right. So I think that I'm I'm really like sitting with all of that now, like because it was constant learning and growth, but also without any extra time or energy to like sit with that and, you know, take it all in. It was just like, okay, new lesson, get, to, you know, go, get, go right for 12 hours, go to bed, wake up new lesson. Like it was, it was so intense. Um, I do wonder like how I compare to other, uh, first time authors in that way, because like, I felt that it was so intensely growth inducing at every stage. And I don't know how it could not be, but I also just know myself that this is like, how I operate in the world. So maybe it was more so. Um, I mean, what I will say is that like you were uh, a pleasure to like work with and I feel like, and continue to work with, but I feel like, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it, it, it's always like with first time authors, right? Like it's, it's a new experience. And um, I think even with people who've written like multiple books, I think it's always hard. And like, um, but I don't know, you made it look very seamless from the outside. So like, yeah. I, I feel like hearing you talk about it now, it's like really fascinating and eye-opening for me. Cause I like, <laughs> if you would ask me, I would have been like, oh, Jesse's like, oh my God. you know, Jesse's amazing. Like they are just like, I don't know. Cause every draft you sent was so polished and good. And yeah. it just like, and you know, you were always really timely. Like, I feel like you didn't ask for extensions. Like I just felt like I was like, wow, yeah. Jesse is like a natural. <laughs> Yeah. And like I said before, there's some truth to that. And there's also, there's, a, I mean, it was just a, it was hard because it was new. It was hard because it was so important to me. It was like, yeah, uh, just hard because of other stuff going on in the world and my life. Um, 
But, you know, there was so much, I will say, the people in my inner circle heard me say all the time, like, next book I'll know better. Like, there was so much that I was like, I can't integrate this right now, but I I can now say that I wouldn't do this again in Mm -hmm. round two. Like, if I write a second book, I would do all these things differently. And, And those were things that were like, I think that the book turned out fine, but I can see how much freaking easier it could be in the future. You know what I mean? Like, I just think I went the long way for a lot of stuff. And I would love to write from uh, an outline that felt a little more clear for myself rather than what almost felt like inventing out of thin air as Mm -hmm. I was going at times because I had gone so far off the outline. Um, Yeah, and maybe getting feedback as I went along. I don't know, but there are so many things that we would always just be like, book two, book two. Like that's, this is future Jesse will deal with this because right now we're taking the long route and we're already on it and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot that probably won't be useful unless I write another book. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like you need to do another podcast episode because I'm sure there are many people who want to know, like, yeah, what were the lessons you learned? Um, oh gosh. Yeah. That, yeah, that's fair. Um, well, let's see. I think that's most of the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, just kind of generally what, what do we do now? It's out in the world as of today. What do we do yeah, now? I, yeah, it is. It is. I have a <laughs> copy it here. Is. It's a beautiful spine. <laughs> yeah. Photo of Jesse. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's out very soon. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think um, it's a really exciting time. So I think now it's just like the, you know, time to, time for publicity, for marketing, for interviews, for getting the book out yeah. into the world. Um, which I think you're all already doing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being here. Um, I have learned a ton about the publishing industry and the process of book writing and everything with you. So it's been a total pleasure to have you on here and sort of bouncing it all around with me. Thank you for joining. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, is there anywhere that you want to be found? Do you have like socials that you want people to be able to look you up or anything? Or can we, it's up to you. You want to skip that, I, do that? I think we, I think we can, we can skip that. Okay. Instagram is very boring. It's, it's, yeah, it's, there's, there's nothing exciting there. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, thank you for being here and everyone. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you next week.